Welcome back to season two of the podcast. I'm so excited to be joined today by my friend Emma Howan. Emma is a core officer from Blenheim and she's up here in Wellington for a couple of weeks. And so we've snagged some time with her to learn about her relationship with Jesus, who she is and what it means to her to be a salvationist. Emma, welcome. Thanks, Rosie. It's good to be here. I'm so glad that you're here in Wellington. What have you been enjoying about it so far? Um, I've just enjoyed uh, the time to be with family, um, spending time with family while I have treatment. It's good to be around family for that. Um, and also just being able to get around all my old haunts. Um, having lived in Wellington myself, um, it's it's nice to be able to just kind of see the different places and see, I guess, shifts over time, but also the familiar things about it. Yeah. That's awesome. How long did you live in Wellington for? Probably about eight or nine years. Oh, significant portion of your life. Yeah, so I did, I, I moved to Wellington when I went to university and then ended up staying in Wellington, got a job in Wellington until we went out to the training college. So it's been, yeah, like Wellington is quite a special place for me, I guess, yeah. So tell me about what you studied at university. I did a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and Religious Studies. Um, I'd initially gone to uni to study law, um, but very early on into a law paper, I just, I just realized that that's not, that wasn't me. That wasn't where God was really calling me. Um, so I decided to just kind of take up papers that I'd just kind of put in there for interest um, and found a real passion in those areas. Yeah. Awesome. And where did you feel God was calling you in that time? Uh, so at that point, I knew God was calling me to officership. I wasn't willing to admit that yet, but I knew that's <laughs> where God was calling me. Yeah. And what did that call feel or look like for you? Uh, so Matt, for me, it was um, just kind of seeing other officers um, and just kind of getting the sense that like that's where God wanted me. Um, and just, I mean, I'd grown up in the Salvation Army, so I'd kind of seen officers come and go, um, but there'd been some key officers that had really stuck with me and just kind of seeing like, actually, that's, that's where I need to be um, and feeling that's where I need to be. Um, but I didn't want to be. Yeah. Wow. What do you think was your, I think there's probably quite a common story, isn't it? The not wanting to be there. What was the fear of not wanting to be an officer, do you think? I, I think for me, it was around what I'd already got my head into what I was going to do. Like really early on at high school, I'd kind of decided I was going to be a lawyer Um and that's just what I had decided I was going to do. I don't even really know what sparked that um, for me. Um, maybe it was money. I'd Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Um, but I guess I just kind of, yeah, I just kind of got into my head about all this other stuff that I wanted to do. And I felt like that officership was going to, like, would just get in the way of that. And that but I can serve God regardless of whether or not I'm an officer like I could still serve God locally so I tried to pass it off as a while as God calling me to more ministry in my core um but knowing all along that that's that's not what it was meant to be yeah and what has that looked like for you now so you've been an officer for a number of years five-year review you're saying coming up soon yeah has it looked different to how you thought it would when you first started I I guess I mean I went into officership like kind of knowing that there was no expected, like every day would be different. Um, so in that sense, my expectation was that every day would be different and it has been. Um, but what I could never have expected was going into my second appointment and about two, three months into that, actually having to tell people they couldn't come to the building, that we were 
shutting the doors like and that actually it was weird to recognize that that was what caring for people looked like for this time um and that's certainly something I could never have imagined actually going no you actually can't come we can't meet together which is yeah like was really really odd because you don't expect that going into well I mean I don't think any of us expected that anyway but you don't expect that in life to be told you can't meet together. Um, but it was just something that was like, oh, but like this is what caring for people right now looks like. So how do we do that differently? I really love that, that sometimes caring for people looks like not meeting together during COVID or not doing a thing in order to care and conserve other people's time and energy and health. Has hmm. there been other things that you've um, had to flip on its head to care for people in your time as an officer or a friend or a Christian? I mean, certainly COVID has been, kind of brought all of that to light a bit more, um, hmm. actually needing to try and think of new ways to to do things um to be able to still meet somewhat um but yeah I guess for like my interactions with people um it's that's revealed as well just that whole like sometimes not meeting together actually is the right thing for both of you at that time good like giving people space to reflect and go away um Mm. is really important A question that I'd love to ask you is how do you experience or what has been your experience of belonging? So I I know that I have belonging in a space um, when someone can ask me how are you and I actually feel like I can genuinely respond to that um, by that being like if I have actually had a really terrible day or a really terrible week that I can I feel safe in that safe space to go it's actually not been great this week mm. and this is why um to be able to go and to be able to go beyond into that why as opposed to just sit on the like oh it's not been great and someone go oh I'm sorry to hear mm. that and that be the end of the conversation like actually to be able to have those deep sharing space conversations uh, that's where I've when I've found belonging mm. um and whether that be belonging in a place whether it be belonging with a friend um I know that that I have belonging with someone and I have that safe space with someone when I can do that sharing, deeper sharing. Also, like the other thing that kind of gives me belonging is like when I move into a new place, I know I have belonging there once the photos are up on the walls. Like that just gives me some oh. kind of sense of home. And so, I, yeah, I kind of have not got very far on this thought, but it's kind of like how do we create that feeling of home for people, like the photos being on the walls or the pictures being up? Uh, in our church communities um yeah and it's uh, something I continue to kind of mill over I haven't really got very far on for me if that belonging of a house comes when the pictures are up what do that what are those pictures what what does that look like for our congregations that's a beautiful thought and one that's so inclusive isn't it because often you think when you go to a church building the ones who are on the walls are the leaders or the leadership team or the people who already have status and belonging but mm. you think what does that look like to be a person walking in through the front building doors or through a home or through a small group or recovery church and be like this is where I'm welcomed and I belong yeah, and does does this place look like me yeah like enough like me that I can find that belonging or are, are all those pictures the people a status in which case yeah do I really sit here um, and I guess it's just that one of those things that challenges me is that when I look around like our core building, like what are we portraying? Yeah. I love that. 
Now, you were saying at the start that you're down here in Wellington for treatment. Would you like to talk more about that? I can do that. So I've, um, over the last, well, it's probably May last year, I got my diagnosis with breast cancer. And so mm-hmm. I've been uh, journeying journeying through that. What does the treatment look like for me? Because, of course, everybody's individual plans look different with mm-hmm. different drugs or different combinations of treatments. Um, for me, that looks like chemo for... 12, two lots of 12 weeks wow. um, on different treatment regimes and then I had surgery and then now I'm up in Wellington for radiation treatment um, so it's been quite a hefty time of mm. appointments and different treatments and different energy levels and d- different ways of connecting with God um, and just yeah, learning to do life a lot slower I guess mm. Um and not being able to, yeah, not being able to set my schedule quite so much, which frustrates me to no end. I'm um, having to rely on hospitals to make appointments for you and all of that. So I'm, yeah, up here for three weeks for that radiation treatment. So what does that look like? You said that your um, relationship with God or your the way you connect has shifted a little bit in this time. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so I found um, really early on with my chemo treatment that like the treatment. One, I was just so exhausted. Like for Mm. me, it didn't make me feel sick as such. It just made me feel really, really tired and exhausted and like I couldn't really do much. Um, And so that also had an effect on just being able to remember stuff, my ability to focus and concentrate on Mm. things. Um, I just didn't have that focus that I was used to. So there were things that like I would normally do, like read my Bible, delve into scripture, even like prayer for a while was a bit of a challenge because I just couldn't concentrate long enough yeah, to really pray. Wow. Um, and so I had to had to find ways to be able to continue that connection to God that was less about doing. Um, mm. um, and so, yeah, it was finding ways to connect with God through rather than doing, just being with God. And what does that look like when I can't do those things that I'm so used to doing? And yeah, like I think for me, breath prayer became quite a quite a big thing. I'd have cool. to, I'd just find a a verse that worked for that. And so for quite a while, it was just now God's strength in my hands. Now God's strength in my hands, all throughout the day. And mm. that was just that was my, for want of a better word, spiritual time. My time with Jesus was that just that that one line because wow. I could remember it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it didn't take it didn't take any energy to do that. It just mm. that just came, um, and that was what I needed. And then as different people shared different verses with me, like they took on, I took on those. Um, and it was just like every day, I just had to learn to breathe in Jesus because that's all I could do. Mm. Yeah, every day breathe in Jesus. I think that is such a beautiful reminder to us all to me to everyone listening to this that we actually need to be in positions of vulnerability and trust with God where it is that breath prayer continually Mm. I so resonate although for different reasons when you said that you find it hard to concentrate um, in prayer and bible study is that I bet so many people who aren't on that same Mm. journey of health would uh, resonate with that idea and so the idea of breath prayers is such a beautiful way to start what is something that God said to you as you began to explore that time of being with God rather than doing with God you know what was that shift like yeah so I found um well quite early on because once once the shock of like when the shock had kind of hit that like I had breast cancer and at that point I had no idea like 
quite the extent of like what that what that would look like. Um, I just kind of had the shock of cancer, and you hear that word, and not having had a close journey with Mm. anyone with it before, like knowing people who had had cancer, but not having been really close to that. Um, you kind you kind of just get that shock from that, and it's like, whoa, is this it for me? Like, was like, wow. Um. Initially, that was kind of the shock. It's like, wait, what? Like, does like, like I know that people can journey through this and then like be fine years down the track, mm. but like the real kind of panic moment is that like, am I going to die? Wow. Even having a little bit of information around like my diagnosis that that they were going to look to treat it and all of that, that was still kind of there for me. Um, that panic moment, and then I kind of worked through that a wee bit. Um, but through other people, God um, told me that like this, this is an experience um, that you'll have that you'll be able to journey with other people alongside. Mm. Um, and initially, I took that as like, well, once I'm through this, of course, I'll be able to, I'll know this. <laughs> I'll have people that like people will come and they'll have had similar diagnoses, and I will know what that a bit more about what that means and be able to help them through that. Mm. Um, but as I've kind of gone through this journey. I've seen more and more that like this experience is something that God is using me in. Wow. That I don't have to wait until I'm through like through my chemo. I don't have to wait until I'm past my surgery. I don't have to wait until I'm finally through this radiation and whatever ongoing looks like that actually I can like that God can use me in this now. Um, and that that's through, I guess, using spaces to share my story where even if someone is not journeying that same journey, that they can see that there there are still ways to to connect with God in in those times that you're just finding it really hard to to focus or that you're finding it just a really yeah rough ride. It's, that is a time that you can journey through and God can use you in. That you don't have to wait for that journey to be over to be able to share your testimony and for to have that kind of well moment that actually God can create those well moments in the journey. Wow. Emma, that's so humbling to hear, um, to, you know, we hear stories of faith and people in the Bible and people up the front, but I think you're right, often it is the the polished out the other end, end product on the shelf at the warehouse where we take it down, we're yeah. like, look at this person and they've done this, but to journey in the in that walk towards or through um, wellness and through pain and through Mm -hmm. uncertainty is such a testimony of God in the boat in the middle of the storm. Mm -hmm. I always remember when I was a teenager, this woman coming to uh, the Tauranga Salvation Army and I was only a new Christian, new Salvationist, and she preached a sermon I'd never heard, which was, um, she was a friend of the youth pastor, Shandri Brown at the time, and this woman said, "Uh, when I was pregnant, I was covered in incredible hives and the hives would scratch and itch and bleed and I was like ooh, and then she said and I couldn't sleep for months and months on end and she's like and it's still happening it's she's like on my body right now it's still happening and God is still good and God's still in the storm and um Mm. She said that in that scripture of Jesus in the boat, that she pulled out this line that uh, the scripture says, and there were many little boats with them. And she said that there are so many people who are with you, watching in the storm with you, beside you, waiting to see, well, you have Jesus. Mm. So what does that look like for you? And I'm humbled to hear the story of you in the boat and all the little boats with you. I saw a mm. picture on Facebook of... Um, 
was it people in your core all had yeah. little woolen hats on at the same time? What was that yeah, about? Yeah, so like, so for me, like the drugs I was on for my chemo meant I lost my hair. Um, and so I just rather than I mean I had like I had a wig, um, but I like found it quite uncomfortable. So I would normally only wear that like if I was going out for dinner or doing something like more special that I kind of felt like I needed it more for other people than for me because <laughs> I didn't really care too much. And um, for like for me, the hair wasn't a big deal. I know for some women it is, um, but. I guess, yeah, like, so the hat thing at the core was that um, a whole bunch of the ladies, um, organized by one lady who'd been through a breast cancer journey herself, decided that they would wear woolly hats one Sunday because over winter, that's what I what I did. That was my jam. Um, I would just, I had a great variety of hats, woolen hats, um, rated to my Kate's as well because she has quite a large head. So I can, <laughs> my two-year-old has yeah, his hats that fit my head. I don't know if that's to do with her size of her head or the size of my head, but they did. Um, so yeah, I had quite a collection of hats and the ladies, um, had, yeah, just all decided that they organised amongst themselves that they were going to wear these hats one Sunday and some of them, you know, the core did as well. And yeah, so I just turned up one Sunday having no idea that this was going to happen. And so I just kind of started seeing this trickle of hats kind of coming in the door. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so first of all, like I noticed that like because the music team comes in early for sound check or whatever before the service. And so they had all come in with hats on and I was like, oh, that's like oh that's really nice the music team have decided to all wear hats this week like that's really cool thinking it was just them and then slowly more hats came in and I was like this is like the whole core like this is incredible um and it was just yeah a real just I just had a I had to stand up and introduce a service after that um but there's this real like overwhelming um feeling of like I have all of these people alongside me this is my far now and they're just getting around and supporting me the the core were just yeah have been so incredible through that whole journey um when I was on chemo there was a number of them that provided meals for our family um and so just like like just little things like that like not having to worry about that when when we felt rubbish or when like Jacob had had to take all care of Kate for the day because I was just out of it um and then yeah like otherwise he would have been having to worry about tea as well and like it was just yeah, like so amazing to have just people around us that would just take on those those little things. Um, and just yeah, like the hats thing, like really like small action, mm. but meant so much in that moment. Yeah. What would you say? I've got two questions. What would you say to a woman who is journeying through um, breast cancer or cancer of any kind in a core who's maybe feeling um, that she doesn't have a space or she's not sure how to share her story but would love people to know? And second of all, what would you say to core uh, folk who would love to support somebody in this journey? Uh, to the woman, like it, it takes huge bravery to be prepared to share your story Um like because there's a huge deal of vulnerability in that um and like so and for for me like I felt very early on that like if I was going to go I was going to go through this journey regardless um that for me I just needed to be open and upfront and and like own that this is part of my story um and so I mean for for those women I would just I'd say find find one person that you feel comfortable sharing that with to start with and then just let God see how that builds. Mm-hmm. There are people who want to care for you and help you out. So yeah, just find that find that one person to start with and start that journey. Uh, for core, um, I guess, yeah, I think I found um, 
right at the beginning I had people asking me like what they could do to help um, and I had no idea. <laughs> people wanted to to help out but I just I mean I didn't I didn't know enough about what the journey looked like to know what I would need. Um, but then, uh, yeah, like one of the ladies at the court just put in, just put into place and worked out what, like to start with, like I was on three weekly chemo, like what days I had chemo, um, and just worked and worked out some people to provide some meals around those times. Um, I don't know that I would have asked for that, um, because I didn't know what to ask for, but it was what I needed. Um, and so I think for for core who have someone that is journeying a time like a journey like that, that it's sometimes actually just about offering something. Um, and because yeah, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to ask for, um, but they offered and and I accepted. Yeah, I like that. So having kind of an idea in mind, if you're looking to try and support somebody through a health journey, um, what is it that you? could provide or your people could provide rather than making them do all the labour of thinking what they might need as well. Yeah. Um, so Kate is such a joy. I love her, your little um, girl. I would love to know what is the Salvation Army of the future that you dream for, for Kate to enter into as she like grows um, and becomes a, or she's already a leader, but <laughs> as she begins to participate more fully in core life with the th- spiritual gifts she has, what do you think you would love to see the Salvation Army of the future looking like? So I just want her to know wherever she is that whatever she wants to do, she can do. Whatever she's passionate about, she can just be passionate about and go for it. Um, And so I just, yeah, I'd just love to see the Salvation Army be that radical space where women, people, yeah, just can do, like just be passionate about their passion and go for it for God. Yeah, I'd just like to see that that space for Kate. That yeah, she just feels like she does belong mm. um, and that she can just do what God needs her to do. That's stunning. Is there anywhere currently that you've come up against in the Salvation Army or the church where you think we could probably be doing better? I mean, I guess I see, I see that there's lots of opportunities. Like I feel like I've been given opportunities um, to, to develop, to learn, to grow. Um, but I also kind of hear that it's not always the case for other people or they don't feel like they can, maybe it's that they don't feel they can pursue those opportunities. Yeah, I guess it's finding ways that everyone feels like their voice can be heard and that they feel that they can pursue their passion. Yeah. I love what you said and so Emma and I are in a group called Awaha April which is a creative group full disclosure I run it but it's on Facebook and the idea is over the month of April that we create on a different theme every day and so Emma wrote this beautiful spoken word poem called Kanohi Kete Kanohi tell me about that. Yeah so it was a phrase that I I hadn't come across before. I kind of stumbled across it in an article that someone else had written around Easter and I was like oh that's just such a beautiful phrase like kanohi face to face Um, and like what does that what does that look like and when you're face to face with someone like you you're vulnerable with someone someone can see your emotion so there's a great deal of courage in being face to face with someone Um, and it was written at at a time where we weren't often face to face with people or if we were it was over a zoom call and it wasn't quite the same and you can't quite read the room the same and you yeah just don't get the same bounce off people yeah I ended up writing this and it kind of at the time as well um was like okay so if that's what it is to be face to face with someone else someone on earth who's in the room with you 
what is it like to be face to face with God? And it's mm. it's all those same things. It's being vulnerable. It's being courageous. It's your emotions are all out there and you can be all of that with God because God knows us. It was interesting actually now looking back because at that time I didn't have my diagnosis yet. Like that just flowed. That poetry has kind of become all that it's needed to be for me and like yeah, not being able to do things um, quite the same way. Um, so that poetry has kind of taken on more meaning since writing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. Oh. Um, <laughs> Chris Ivers, divisional director for women's ministries and one of the divisional leaders in Southern, was sharing that you had uh, expanded your spoken word writing as well and shared recently to a group of uh, people something that was so moving. What was that poetry about? Uh, so that was about my, I guess my yeah, my journey with God over the last kind of six months and that that I'd never really been a person who slow much. I'm always kind of that one thing after another and <laughs> moving from that next task to the next one and just kind of speeding through life. And that's been something I've not been able to do. And so this piece kind of moved from like, that's what it was like to actually needing to slow, to need to take mm-hmm. rest, to need to have that peace and God being all of those things, God being that rest, God being the breath, God being that time for peace, God being the rhythm as opposed to that rhythm of doing. When I was asked if I would share broken word or some poetry at, at this event, divisional, well, kind of combined now symbol and event, I was like, oh yeah, I'll do something. And thinking for a while, I was just going to like do something that I'd already written. But knowing for a while that like this piece, is it, I, I needed to be that vulnerable with this piece. And so I was like a wreck of nerves before it, (laughs) well and truly. I'm not normally someone who gets anxious like about speaking in public or anything, but this piece was just so personal. I mean, it was my story of the last six months with God. So it was a piece I didn't think I would ever share. I thought I'd just be able to keep it milling over in my head. Um, But I felt so good to have shared it. I needed to share this part of my testimony, that relief that like I had now shared this part of my journey with a room full of people who mostly had been those people providing meals, who'd been checking up on me each week to see how I was going. Yeah, it was a really special moment to be able to share that with people who had become quite a huge support for me. So like a beautiful exchange of vulnerability and support and relationship. It sounds from what you've been saying from the beginning of our conversation to now um, that there is a real commitment and like exploration of vulnerability that's built and built and built. And I think knowing you and uh, Emma has been a huge collaborator on the Women's Ministries Facebook page. She uh, was the idea behind the liturgy of um, women for Mother's Day, like celebrating all types of women, mothers, mother figures. Mm -hmm. The um, way that you see people comes out of the ability to sit with yourself and God and then share that with others. It's such a gift and you are a gift to us, Emma. Uh, So to wrap up, I'd love to pray for you and with you, um, with Emma's permission hopefully we'll um, be able to share uh, one or two of your pieces in the comment section under the podcast but if you get the opportunity um follow Emma wherever you see her work online or on Facebook um there are big things in the future for this woman of grace and beauty uh power and fierceness as well uh and so let's pray 
God, I thank you that you are the God who is with us and you are for us, that you walked you walked amongst us and you dwell within us now. And I pray for even greater revelations of your grace and character within Emma's heart and her spirit. I pray over um, her marriage, her relationships, her family, that you would bind them together, that little cord of three strands, um, but even more your Holy Spirit, the creator, the comforter in Christ within her. Bless her core, continue to um, grow them, the strength of their boundaries just growing out and out and out, a tent that is just ever expanding. And let them grow in and in and in, deeper in who you are. Just let trust grow and flow out of who they are. That um, As Emma casts that beautiful spiritual vision, that depth, that well at the start, that people coming in to whatever expression of community and church that she and they offer is a place where they see themselves celebrated, sitting with you in grace, humility, power and honour because Jesus, you are the one who restores dignity. Just trust, uh, let that be built wherever they go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yay! We did did it. We did it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Herald's Podcast. We would love to keep the discussion going. Head on over to our community on Facebook and Instagram and look for this episode's discussion post to join in.